Dear founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. Before we get into today's episode, I want to give you a little sneak peek about something that I have coming up. My social media for Small Business Masterclass got underway yesterday, and in just a week, I'm going to open the doors for an amazing new workshop and a new way to work with me. I'm very, very excited to launch this awesome new program, Big Impact Marketing for Small Business with Little to No Budget. You can click the link in my show notes and be among the first who are notified when the doors actually do open. I'm going to limit the space to this first workshop, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled if you want to have the chance to get in. So I'm really excited for you to meet today's guest, Charlie Safro, founder of CS Recruiting, and for you to hear her story. Charlie has a very different background than so many of our past guests. Well, you won't find her in your Instagram stories. You can find her sharing her vulnerabilities on LinkedIn, where she's cultivated and amassed over 40,000 followers. Charlie is a recruiter by trade and a connector by heart. She's self-taught and loves the thrill of bringing people together to make relevant introductions at the right time. She's passionate about not only connecting people to each other and the right careers, but she also connects with herself and her family, including her three sons, each and every day. She thrives on being a lifelong matchmaker. As you'll see today, Charlie's a mindful leader, and the success of her company and the retention of her team is not by accident. When she started CS Recruiting, Charlie didn't have a business plan or a bank loan. She didn't know if it would be a success or if it would go down in flames. But she did the one thing so many entrepreneurs need to do, and that's she trusted her gut. Now, over a decade later, CS is known for being experts in the supply chain logistics and transportation industry, and her network of talent goes unmatched. CS Recruiting is a woman-owned leading search firm that specializes in logistics, transportation, and supply chain industry. I want you to come on in and meet today's guest, Charlie Safro. Turn the volume up because there are so many incredible and important lessons ahead. All right. So today on Dear Founder, we have Charlie Safro, who's the president and founder of CS Recruiting. And this story is so interesting and unique because unlike many of our founders here on Dear Founder, Charlie started her company not because she needed to. And that is why I, I, she is such a powerhouse in what she does. And that, amongst other things, are the reason why I asked her to be on Dear Founder today. So Charlie, welcome. Thanks, Lindsay. I'm excited to be here. Um, and I'm excited to have you. And I, I'm excited to hear the story because I haven't heard the story. So why don't you kind of take us back and tell us how you founded your company and how you got it to where you are today? 
Sure. So um, today I am the president of CS Recruiting. Uh, we're a recruiting firm that specializes in the logistics, transportation, and supply chain industry. We've got about 40 people on our team and we work across the United States. And when I think back on my path, and, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs and founders feel this way, like, how did I get here? This was never, you know, something I said, this is what I want to do when I grow up. I don't even think I knew recruiting was a career, didn't know anything about logistics or transportation until I honestly just fell into it. So long story short, I graduated college and went into the advertising marketing industry. I worked on the agency side. It was a blast, but it was long hours, kind of thankless. Um, had my first son, went back after that maternity leave, and just kind of like reevaluated, like, do I want to be working 80 hours a week at, you know, very minimal pay and traveling all the time? I wanted to be a working mom. I just didn't want to work at that capacity. So um, at the time, my husband and his brother had started a company that was a technology company in the transportation space. It was probably two years old, um, right around this time. And um, when I decided I didn't want to do advertising anymore, I asked my husband and brother-in-law if I could go work for them. And I was like, I'll do marketing. I'll file papers. This is when we had papers and files. I'll bring you coffee. I just want to be around adults and feel a purpose every day. And they agreed to it. And then the night before I started, my husband got cold feet and he was like, I don't think this is a good idea. And I had like literally resigned from, you know, a seven year career that I'd worked hard at. Um, so I made him sleep on the couch that night. That's the only night in our marriage that I've, I've kicked him out. And I was just like, I'm coming to work the next day. And so I did. Um, and it was just good timing because they had brought in a partner a couple months later and their business just blew up. And I was the one person in the company who wasn't really like selling. So when they started to hire, they looked around and I was the resource that had capacity. And so I taught myself how to recruit. And this was 2006. Um, these were Craigslist days. I would go around to like, you know, libraries and Dunkin' Donuts and hang up flyers with my phone number. Um, and I was there for about four years as an in-house recruiter. Um, we grew to over 100 people. I was involved in every hire. And then they sold the business. So that was what I would probably call my like quarter life crisis, third third of the way uh, crisis. I was pregnant with my third son. And I was like, now what do I do? I want to work, but I've got three kids. We had just moved to the suburbs. Um, and I put myself on LinkedIn. This was when LinkedIn really started to take off 2010. And one day I just got an inquiry from a local transportation company, like, hey, I saw, you know, our industry, we need to hire a sales rep. Can you help? So I was like, sure, I'll do it and, you know, make it an extra couple bucks on the side. And I filled their position and then another company came and then it just spiraled. And, you know, it was, it was a testament of I knew what I was doing. I knew the industry. I, I'm a very hard worker and I, I hate failure. So if I had an opportunity, I was going to do whatever it took to deliver and then all of a sudden, one day I was like, wait, I actually have a business. Like, I, this is not just fun freelance work to buy a new pair of shoes. Like, I've got clients and demands and expectations. Um, so I had to hire. And my first hire was actually my husband. Um, after he sold his business, he was sitting out a non-compete and kind of figuring out his next move. And he was more of an entrepreneur at that time than I was. So he came on as my first hire. Um, and the rest is kind of history. We've been in business 12 years, have just scaled the business over time. Lots of growing pains, lots of ups and downs, but um, very content with where we're at today.
Well, congratulations. It's an awesome story. And you have so much to be proud of. Thank you. I would love for you to tell us where you are today in the business. Like how many team members do you have? How many clients do you serve? I mean, any kind of things that you can share because I want the people listening to understand just how big your business is. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So um, the one misconception is that people think when we're in the logistics industry that we recruit truck drivers. We actually recruit for almost any position except truck drivers. So we're dealing with executives, career-minded, you know, white collar, well, um, we have 40 people on our team, hundreds and hundreds of clients that we work with on a daily basis, thousands of candidates that we're working with. And we're placing people with like trucking company executives, logistics companies, even manufacturers and distributors. So positions not too exciting, but, you know, anything from like procurement to manufacturing, um, transportation, distribution, all, all the stuff that gets our packages to our doorstep when we order them online. So I feel like the the pandemic kind of spiked some interest with all the supply chain issues. People are like, oh, that's that's what you do. So um, we work nationwide and um, our business has just grown a lot over the years and, and growing pains, like I said. So, you know, where I am personally in the business is interesting because right now as the president, I am leading the company. But I was not always in a leadership role. I really was a recruiter um, in my own company. I was an employee, and that's how I liked it for probably the first seven years. Like, I wanted to get my hands dirty. I wanted to do the same job of the people I was hiring. I had to understand it. I had to learn the hard way. And so even though I started the business, the business is named after me, I was just another employee. And and I kind of liked being like a a revenue generator. Um, So... We, over the years, did form a leadership team. I was kind of like an advisor to it, but my husband grew into the CEO position and then another um, male that we had worked with for a while grew into a COO position. And then right before the pandemic, we decided my husband was going to step out. It was just a mutual decision. He was ready to move on with his career and our COO resigned unexpectedly. So it was like literally overnight where I was just kind of doing my thing. And all of a sudden I looked around and I was like, wait, it was three of us. And it was me supported by two men who handled the financial decisions and the legal discussions. And all of a sudden it was, it was me. And this was April, 2020. And I embraced leading my own company. And um, I can say like, we have done a 180 in the best way ever. I've just added a lot of like femininity to the company, which I used to, be criticized for. And now I realize like that is, that is how I want to run my business. So um, now I am really leading what I started after I worked in it for so long. Oh, I love everything that you just said. I mean, really like I, and I have so many questions. My, the first thing I want to ask you is, so I had told you, I saw you on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. I want everyone listening to understand Charlie Saffro on LinkedIn is like a major influencer. Okay. Like Charlie Saffro has 30,000 followers on LinkedIn 40, and, 40, and you are, you are very, you are a very influential voice in your space. And I share that because a lot of the people I interview here have a lot of followers on Instagram and Facebook and your business is not that. And so I want to make it known that you are a huge, huge, huge force in what you do. And LinkedIn has played a really big role in your in your career. I mean, you Absolutely. just said I put myself on LinkedIn and that's how I started. And I didn't even know that, obviously, coming into this. But 
How has LinkedIn affected and impacted your business? I give so much credit to our success to LinkedIn and it is just such like an amazing, powerful platform. And it's funny you say that because like my Instagram account, I think I have like 500 followers. I don't, you know, I don't really pay attention to the people who follow me. I'm, I'm, you know, proud to, to show the behind the scenes and LinkedIn. I'm, I'm the same person. I'm just a little more private and obviously focusing on topics that my network is going to respond to. So, um, My secret, and this is actually super relevant to what you used to do, is when I first started my business, um, like really got going, I had just had my third son. So this was 2011 and he was not a good sleeper. So obviously like those first three, four months, you know, the baby's up all night anyway, but this continued on, I'm going to say like six, seven months that he was up at 2 a.m., 4 a.m. And so what I would do is I would sit there with my laptop because I don't even think my phone had, I don't think we had like apps back then. And I would you just probably had a Blackberry. Let's I probably honest. had a, or like a flip phone. Yeah. And I would just connect like literally like with my eyes half closed in the dark, feeding him a bottle, like connect, connect. And so I would run these searches for, you know, people in logistics, look at executives and just connect. And so before I knew it, I, I hit my limit. LinkedIn only allows you to have 30,000 connections. Um, and I, I surpassed that probably in my like third year of business because I was just like obsessed with it. But it wasn't building a network of, of just anyone. Like it really, and still to this day, it's a very relevant network that is my audience. These are the people that we do business with. And that was probably my, my biggest, I'd say like just foot in the door to success is that I had an audience. And so for the first couple of years, I used LinkedIn basic, you know, like I posted jobs on it. I communicated with people. I exchanged numbers, set up calls and LinkedIn really pushed me to be like a content generator probably for the last like five years. And I couldn't do it in the beginning. Like I, I was like, I'm not a writer. I don't know what these people want to hear from me. I would post an article, post about an employee's anniversary, but it was just like another thing to do every day. And then I'd say when the pandemic hit and we were remote and just lacking connection, I really started to like be vulnerable and like put myself out there. And I still don't consider myself a writer, but I do think I have stories to share specific to our industry, but also stories for females, stories for entrepreneurs, stories for anyone who, you know, wants to, you know, have an impactful career. So that is where I've really started to just develop like this network, this audience. Um, I probably post, I post every day, sometimes twice a day. And it's all about like this engagement and a community. So Similar to Instagram, it's just um, it's just like a different vibe. Well, on but here's the thing that's so important, and I talk about this all the time because my clients, both brands and individuals, yeah, especially solopreneurs, will say to me, "Oh, it's just so much all this social media. Like, how like how do I navigate it?" Right? And I always say you need to pick two platforms. Yes. Two. Like you don't need to be on more than two platforms. You can be on them, but you don't need to focus on all them because if you're focused on all them, you're not focused on your business. And I think it's really, really important. And you just exemplified my whole hypothesis. You have to go where your clients are and you have to go where your business is. And your clients and your business were on LinkedIn. And so you did on LinkedIn what... I do on Instagram and what Dana Gordon does on Instagram. And we were just talking about that. And I think that that is knowing, knowing what, like what social works for you. So true. Have the 
biggest and best impact on your bottom line? Yeah, I've never had a Facebook account and I just kind of like skipped over that. And like I said, like Instagram is for my network. And, you know, so I know whose birthday it is and I know who had a baby or where they went on vacation. But that's, you know, that's separate. And and LinkedIn is, is where it's at for me. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high-quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast. As I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast, Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. Talk a little bit about being vulnerable because this transcends all social media, and I I hear from founders all the time here and just in my discussions that the minute they opened up and the minute they were vulnerable, whether it was on Facebook, Instagram, you're telling me LinkedIn, that was when they saw the impact. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your vulnerability and how that translates on LinkedIn. It's so important. And I know like vulnerability is, you know, becoming like a very overused word. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown and I, I eat it all up, but it is so true. And I, I go back probably two years ago. Um, like I said, on LinkedIn, I was posting jobs that we were working on for my audience. I was reposting an article from transport topics for my audience, but I was never really like writing original content. And my son created a TikTok and it went viral on TikTok. And it was like him and his friend shooting a basketball at the same time. And they, both of their basketballs went in the hoop and it was, it was cool. It was nothing that exciting, but it went viral on TikTok. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn to like, kind of just like create a little bit of a, I don't know, to soften it up. LinkedIn is so business focused, but like who wouldn't watch this video and be like, wow, look at those kids. And so I put his video on LinkedIn and it like literally blew up. I got probably 2 million views in like 48 hours, crazy comments where people were like, I saw this going viral. I didn't know it was your kid. And that's when I was like, wow, I just let for the very first time this network and our company page has about 100,000 followers. I've got about 40. So let's call it 140,000 people. Um, I just showed them my kid, you know, which was like a big deal for me. And I showed him I'm a mom and I actually like, just, I, I never talked about any of those things. And so after that, a couple of weeks later, my oldest son broke his arm, the crazy story, and he had to have surgery and a metal bar put in. And I posted a picture of his x-ray where you could like literally see that his bone was just cracked in half. And I told this story about how it felt when he, you know, it was, it was a crazy thing. It was virtual. He was playing basketball. We're watching it on our laptops in our kitchen at home. He fell we hear the coach, the coach is like, somebody call 911. This kid oh needs my to be God. And we're like sitting at home. And so 
I posted the story and was vulnerable. I was like, this was the most terrifying moment of my life. Like we can all relate to this with this, you know, disconnect in our society right now. And then that post blew up and I was like, oh, okay. So now I just need to post something about my third kid. And then I've shown everyone, you know, my whole family, but I'd say those two posts back to back just like gave me the confidence that people want to peek behind the scenes. People care about people. And I, I read this recently and I'll never forget that like nobody cares about, you know, own network. People care about Oprah Winfrey and that is why it's a success. And so people don't want the brands. They want the people behind the brands. And so once I started kind of exposing myself I've always been the face of the brand. You know, the name of the company is CS for Charlie Saffro. I speak at events. I do a lot of business development. But once I just exposed like a personal side of me and kind of got real, that's when I really started to get engagement. Um, And I'll also just note like 94% of our business comes to us from LinkedIn. So I've never made a cold call. I've never knocked on a door for, you know, a, a, a sales pitch. Like, you put it out there and they will come. And it's like this full circle of, of paying it forward is really what it's about. I always say people want to buy from people, not from brands. And so yes. thank you for saying that because that holds true, not just in consumer products, that holds true in services and B2B as well. And you have more than proven that. I mean, it's amazing. What you've done is amazing. And, I, and I'm telling you, like I saw something on LinkedIn that you posted and I was like, holy shit. Like she's like major, you know what I mean? And, and you said it before we kind of got started. You said a lot of people don't even really know I work, you know, and it's because they don't see it on a day-to-day basis. And I didn't know what you did. Like I knew, you know, your name, I knew you from around town, but I didn't know what you did because I hadn't seen you on LinkedIn. And so it's really amazing what you've built and how you've used that platform to propel your business forward. So, and I'm so glad you're sharing it because we've never discussed that here. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's it's funny because, you know, people in our community don't need a supply chain recruiter. So it's not like I'm sitting at a baseball game chatting about my business unless someone really, you know, unless they're business minded and they really are, are you know, they want to talk shop. But we'll go to like a restaurant and like, you know, two or three men will come up to me and be like, I love your LinkedIn post. And then their wives are like, how do you know that girl? And it's just, it's funny because it's all about the platform. If I was on Instagram, the wives would be coming up to me and I just happen to work. I I say males because my industry is extremely male dominated and there's a lot of connections locally. So um, it's just funny. It's like people, if you're not on LinkedIn, I'm just, you know, another mom on the sidelines, which I am, but they don't even realize that I have a job or let alone a company that you own and founded and is very successful. Yeah. And I just kind of keep to myself there, but that's, it's amazing. I love that. And I, and no one, not everyone needs to know. Exactly. And that goes back also to like sharing where you need to share and being private about the things that you want to be private about. So true. Yeah. You know, you want to know, I love to talk shop, but I'm not here to like brag or toot my own horn. Like that's just what I do. Monday through Friday, nine to five. And then, you know, I'm me the rest of the time. So you mentioned that since the pandemic started and since all the um, infrastructure and at CS change, you guys have done a 180 in the best way ever. Those were your words. Yeah. I'd love for you to share a little bit how and why. And then I'd also love for you to talk about how you've added femininity to this brand and to this company that to your point is in such a male dominated space. Yeah. So when we, it it kind of like all was the perfect storm that 
COVID hit, everyone is challenged with working from home. I will say prior to the pandemic, we had a bit of a flexible policy where if you were with us more than six months, you could earn a day at home and then two days at home. And the the majority of our team was only in the office two or three days a week. So we had kind of figured it out. But what we did back then was we only had meetings on Mondays and Thursdays when we were in the office together. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, it was just like, yeah, go, you know, manage your schedule at home. We trust you. So when the pandemic hit and we went home, all of a sudden it was like, wait, this, this isn't going to work anymore. Like we need to be connected five days a week. We need to see each other. Um, and we just, I chose a new leadership team. So I have three women now on my team. There's four of us total and we've embraced the importance of culture and like we're in the recruiting business. So we're not, a, we don't want to work with clients that have high turnover. Like we're not after that opening so we can fill it and make some money. Like we want to work with companies that retain people, they treat them right. And then we help them grow because they're they're adding new positions, not because we're filling vacancies. So I I know more than anyone like how important retention is and what it does for recruiting. And um, you know, I have one of my employees has been with us 10 years, the other one, the next one is coming up on 10 years in a couple months, like very good retention, low turnover, because we treat them like humans. I mean, it is that simple. Like I care about these people. I show interest in their lives. It's not just about who they are on the job. And so that is really the direction that that we've gone in with our culture is just people first, um, supporting our team, having open conversations. Um, you know, from a tool standpoint, we added Slack. If anyone knows Slack, it's been like a, a game changer because we've got channels for very professional, you know, project-based conversations, but then we have a channel that's like, show us your pets. And all day people are just posting pictures of their dog <laughs> at their feet. And um, but it's really helped like with connection. We also three, four weeks ago, took our whole team to Mexico. Um, and that was like, that was my kind of commitment to the team. Like we're not going to be in an office, but we will have, you know, quarterly events in an annual retreat. And it was amazing what three nights in Mexico, that was pure fun. Do not bring your laptop. This is, there's no business meetings. It's just bonding and, and really, you know, getting to know our team it's amazing what it did for our culture, like friendships blossom that I never even thought these two people would, if we were in an office, they would never talk to each other. Right. And now like we just gave them an opportunity to connect as humans and now they want to work hard together. And that's so important now not being in the office because yeah. people want the connection and people miss that camaraderie. And even if you can't have it every day, right? Like even if you're not in an office and having that every day, if you don't know the people, you're not going to have that offline, exactly. that offline conversation either. You know, like when I think back to when I worked corporate, I have a friend, this is so crazy. I have a friend that I worked with at MTV. We started on the same day. She was in LA. I was in Chicago and we went to New York because we were training together. And that trip bonded us for life. For life. I mean, this right. was in this was in 2005 and I am seeing her on Monday when I'm in Los Angeles. Okay. And she's, she's, we're different generations. We yeah. have, you know, our different life stages. We are so close. We have always been close and we never worked in the same office. So like, you know, but without yeah. that kind of trip and camaraderie of a retreat and the many retreats that we had together, we would never have that friendship. So by you providing that to your team now in a day and age when you don't get camaraderie really yeah. at all, it's so important. 
It, it really is. And it's like, it's funny. I was scrolling through Instagram this weekend and I saw two of our employees doing like a, um, a St. Patty's day, whatever you call it. And we're too old for that. Like a beer walk or whatever, <laughs> yeah. uh, a bar crawl, bar a bar crawl. crawl. <laughs> um, and I was like, wait, they're in there hanging out with their husbands and a, another, and they didn't know each other before they started. And I was like, look at that. Like they became close through the company through, and they both only worked for us for six months. Um, we have another couple in our office that met at CS Recruiting, um, single. They both had different, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends over the years. Now they're engaged, getting married oh in October. God. And like like little things like that that pop up and you have to just take notice, like how special that is that you can bring the people together for these like lifelong relationships. How has this impacted productivity? We are doing the best ever. So like February um, is normally a very slow month for us. And this past February was our best month in 12 years. Oh so my God. it is it is great for us um, with the work we do. You know, we're recruiting. There's sensitive conversations. There's emotions. So even though, you know, it works when you're in an office and you're all on an open floor, I think people just feel like a different, a different confidence when you're working from home. That's one thing I've taken away is like when I am sitting in my office and I've got my dog at my feet and I'm going to go, you know, make myself an omelet for lunch. And I'm not stressing about where I'm going to go pick up lunch and the 10 minutes I can leave my office. I just have a different passion for my work, a different drive because I have time, but also like a different level of confidence because no one's listening to me. No one's judging me. Um, and I think that's how my team feels. It's it's also no distraction. So, you know, by all means, do I believe that culture is formed by team camaraderie and relationships and conversations? Yes. But we have worked very hard to make that happen virtually. And then we come together once a month as a team for a happy hour, once a quarter as a team for like a, you know, fun boondaggle event. And it, it works. It's, so we've, eliminated the distraction, but we've kind of enhanced these water cooler relationships through other channels. You are setting such a good example and you are creating such a great framework that other companies should absolutely be following. I mean, I think truly. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. And I think that's the biggest misperception when you see people that are saying work from home doesn't work. It's because those leaders aren't investing their time and efforts into making it work. Um, so I'm not going to pretend it's easy. Like I read a ton of books. I talked to a ton of people, listened to podcast after podcast, but we have figured it out. And I feel really good that we've got a great training and onboarding program remote. We've got a great interviewing process remote. Like it, it works for us right now. Well, and the like you coming together once a month is so much more effective than having a ping pong table in your office. Exactly. And it's fun. I mean, and and we let the team dictate, like, do you guys want to hang out at a bar? Do you want to rent a boat? Do you want to do, I mean, we've done no frills, you know, potlucks in someone's backyard and that's what they want. So just kind of listening to the team, like you want structure, you just want to hang out, you want to bring spouses, you want to bring kids and we love just kind of mix it up every month. Yeah. I love it. Really, truly friends with the people we work with. Which also makes such a difference. Such a difference. Such a difference. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still talk to every one of my employees from Bump Club. Everyone. Yeah. It really Even, even ones that didn't end so great, still talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Which is so important. Exactly. It know? is. It is. So what would you tell someone who's hiring right now? Like, what would be some, like, actionable tips that you could give people who are in the hiring space? Just, I, I think that the landscape has changed so much, obviously, with the virtual and the flexibility. 
Also with the great resignation, people want a lot of things that maybe companies can't provide. I think that a lot of companies are seeing high turnover. They're Mm -hmm. not able to meet these demands that a lot of candidates want. So what would be like a pep talk that you would give someone who's going through the hiring process? Yeah, I mean, I kind of recoined the great resignation into the great opportunity a couple months ago, because as I started to realize it, like this is it's an opportunity for any job seeker. There are more jobs than there are people right now. So pick your path and you will find something. And for companies, it's almost just like, you know, excuse my French, but the kick in the ass they needed to like realize that people need to come first and you're not going to retain your people if you don't treat them right. So you know, people change jobs because they want more money. Of course, that's never going away. But compensation is now like fourth or fifth on the list. And recognition and appreciation, you know, a positive supporting culture, those are the priorities that people look for. And they also want flexibility and trust. And I think that goes hand in hand with working from home. I realize not everyone, every company can offer work from home. I mean, we place a lot of people in facilities like that, that director of distribution needs to be on the floor, you know, boots on the ground every day. But if you can at least offer hybrid or Fridays at home or every other Friday at home, like that's what people want. They want to know that they have, you know, they're trusted. It really all comes down to just trust and and feeling supported. So, you know, my biggest advice to companies that are hiring is you may think you have it all figured out and, and kudos to you, but your competition is probably doing something a little bit better than you. And you need to figure out where your strengths are and where you fall short because it's a saturated market, especially in our industry. Everyone is hiring. It's the same job, essentially the same salary, same benefits. So why is this person going to choose your company over another? And it's the, it's about the human elements. Like I really believe that. And it starts with the first email. Like if you're, you know, somebody applies to a job and you're rejecting them, like don't just send, you know, an auto response. Like you've got great experience at X, Y, Z, but unfortunately it's not what we're looking for and make that person feel heard, you know, to a point. I mean, we get thousands and thousands of inbound resumes. It gets harder every year to manage that. But I think that's what what it's all about is securing people because you show them that you're a human and you care about them and they're more motivated to work for you and do good because of that. So um, definitely flexibility, culture, which is like all encompassing companies need to have a a solid culture. Um, And I kind of tie it back like you can't recruit new people if you can't retain the people you have. So take care of the people you have first. They're your best advocates you know, A players recruit other A players. So um, look around your team and and focus on that first. And then you go out to hire and it's just, it's it's a lot easier and things start to come together when your team is in place, motivated, and they want to be there. How have you dealt with being in such a male dominated field? I mean, you are very successful. And I think that you know, that could even be looked at by many men is so intimidating. And I, I, I just, I can't, I grew my first company in a totally female dominated. Yes. And so, yes. you know, it, I've never dealt with this per se, even in advertising. When I worked in advertising prior, I mean, it was all women. Like, yeah. So how have you dealt with this? And has it been hard? It has. And I would say it's probably the opposite. Most men aren't intimidated. They think that they can walk all over you. Um, because I mean, when I went to my first conference in the industry, and this was probably like 2010 or 11, I think there were like 14 women out of 2000. And 
today. I'm going to the same conference in a couple of weeks. I bet there's 200 women, which is amazing, but it's still a very small fraction of the audience. And so, you know, it's you you need to intimidate them. And I think that what I have learned over the years, and if you would have told me this seven, eight years ago, I would have been like, no way, that is not true. You need to be vulnerable. You need to be feminine. You need to have empathy. You need to bring that human element to business. And that is what intimidates men. Um, it's like they are, you know, just up there, and especially in this industry, like trucks. I mean, trucks and manufacturing and distribution, mostly male leaders, mostly male candidates that we're placing, mostly male decision makers that we're working with. And they just get down to business. And once you realize, like, as a female, having empathy is a strength. I thought it was a weakness for a long time. And maybe it was, you know, I had two amazing men supporting me, but maybe that is where I wasn't able to express myself because I did hide behind them for many years. And I was scared if I was nice, I would be perceived as weak. And now I realize like kindness is a superpower. Empathy is a superpower. Um, and it's just, it's a reverse, it's like almost reverse psychology. Like the more gentle you are as a, a female in business, the more intimidating you will be to a male. However, I have thick skin too. And that's been really hard to build up over the years. Um, but if I think of like a tough conversation I had with a client four years ago versus last week, like night and day, four years ago, they walked all over me because I was, I was too kind and I wasn't using it to my advantage. Last week, I had a very tough client conversation where you know, I, I exposed him to like the emotions behind the situation and it worked. And, you know, I was able to be feminine and kind of balance that energy with their like rough and tough attitude. So um, it's really interesting. It's like a whole, you know, psychology 101, but well, makes a lot of sense. And look what happened when you came out from behind those two men. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, your business is stronger than ever. And I think that just speaks volumes, not just to the business you built, but to you and to the leader that you are. And I just, congratulations all around. So one of the things you said at the top of our conversation is very common amongst many of the founders here. And that is, you kind of started this on accident. You didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you put yourself out there and that's really what happened. So what would you tell other founders who are looking to start something or who maybe have an idea or who are unsure? What would be three tips that you would give them? So I would say my first tip is something we talked about before you, we got on is like pick a focus and stick with it, like stay in your lane. So yes, I'm a female entrepreneur and I could talk about being a working mom and I could talk about recruiting and I could talk about trucks and, you know, all these other things, but I need to figure out what my audience wants to hear. And, and we really train our people, like, we don't want you to be a you know, jack of all trades, master of none. We want you to be a master in your space. And so that's probably my best advice is just like immerse yourself, like books, conversations, podcasts, articles, like know your space better than anyone. The second tip, and I, I say this because I realized that I did it and I don't think I knew I was doing it, but fake it till you make it. And that is like what it's all about. You know, there's nothing is what it appears behind the scenes, everyone's dealing with the same chaos, but we have Google, we have access. So, you know, do what you need to do. When I'm having phone conversations and someone throws out an acronym, 
first of all, I'm, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable and say, what does that mean? But I'm also, if the conversation keeps going, I'm Googling it on the side and I'm like, okay, now I just educated myself and I can actually have a dialogue with you. So you got to fake it till you make it sometimes. Um, and I would also say content is king right now. I've learned it probably a little too late, but you know, it, it, it happened when it was supposed to happen. Um, but people want to hear from people and, and they want to know your drama and your, they want to know your highs and your lows. So don't be afraid to like put it out there on your platform of choice, whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn or, but, you know, share a little peek behind the scenes and, and don't always be selling. Like people don't buy stuff as a result of like an ad campaign, at least in our business, they buy stuff as a result of like the humans behind it. Um, and don't, it's, it's, it's scary to do that. You're like literally jumping off a cliff. Like, are they going to accept me or not? Am I going to be judged or not? And yes, you will be judged. No, you won't be accepted by everyone. But as long as you're impacting the group you want to, you got to put yourself out there to, to figure it out. It's so amazing to hear your story. Charlie Saffro from CS Recruiting. Thank you for being here and for sharing everything and for being so vulnerable with me. So I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Oh my God, the takeaways from today. I bet you didn't think you'd be learning as much as you did from someone who recruits in the transportation and supply chain industry, did you? Honestly, we can all learn so much from Charlie Safro and her success. I've already put some of her tips from today into practice on LinkedIn, and I'm seeing an impact in my own business world. So take out your pen and paper. You know what time it is. Here are Charlie's takeaways. Number one, LinkedIn is key and is key to success. Simply go on LinkedIn and connect with people that are in your industry. Grow your audience, your community. This can be a foot in the door. Number two, know what social media platform works for you and for and for your business to have the biggest impact on your bottom line. Number three, people care about people. Show the behind the scenes and let people in. People don't want the brands. They want the people behind the brands. Number four, embrace the importance of culture. You don't want to have high turnover. You want to retain people, treat them right, and grow them by adding and grow your team by adding new positions, not by replacing people. Retention at your company is incredibly important to your success. Number five, treat your employees like humans. Care about them outside of work, not just on the job. People come first. Number six, when you say that work from home doesn't work, it's because the leaders aren't investing their time to make it happen properly. It's not easy, but you can figure it out. Enhance the water cooler relationships through channels outside of the office. Number seven, right now there are more jobs than there are people, so pick your path and you will absolutely find something. For companies, it's a kick in the ass to realize that people need to come first. You're going to have, you are, you are going, you are not going to retain people if you don't treat them right. Number eight, compensation is fourth or fifth in the list of priorities for people who are looking for a job. Recognition, appreciation, flexibility, trust, these are all things that employees value even more than the compensation today. You may think that you have it all figured out, but your competition is probably doing something a little bit better than you. You have to figure out where you fall short. Jobs are the same, salaries and benefits are the same. Why should someone choose your company over another? It's about the human element. Number 10, when you're starting a business, pick a focus and stick with it. Stay in your lane, be a master in your space. Number 11, nothing is what it appears. Everyone's dealing with the same chaos. Do what you need to do to figure things out. Number 12, content is king. 
People want to hear from people and they want to know your drama and your highs and lows. Don't be afraid to put it out there. Share the behind the scenes and don't always be selling. Thank you so much, Charlie Safro, for letting us in to your behind the scenes today. And I cannot thank all of you enough for being here and for joining us on today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen and leave a rating and review. Follow Lindsay Pinchuk and at Dear Founder on Instagram and visit lindsaypinchuk.com for even more. We have some amazing guests coming up. Please make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has started a business or has an amazing idea, please share this episode with them. You can text it to them or post it in your Instagram stories. Make sure to tag me. I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned. We have another episode coming soon of Dear Founder.